Good afternoon. Thank you very much for coming to remember and celebrate the life of Larry Howard, our friend, colleague, counselor, student, and teacher for many of us. Life's, Larry's life is beautifully portrayed in the obituary, which is uh, uh, you have. Uh, he was born in 1945. He had polio at age six and was uh, completely paralyzed from the waist down, but doesn't seem to have stopped him from doing much. He, among, on the physical side, he was, among other things, a rock climber, a kayaker, and worked out regularly at the gym. Intellectually, he is one of our, he graduated from, uh, uh, with a degree, a PhD in psychology. He subsequently went on to teach here at UCI in a variety of capacities, first in the social sciences department. He also helped launch the uh, Center for Global Peace and Conflict Studies. He then went on, came out of retirement to work at the Disability Service Center and in between, he did things such as helping to found the, uh, the Center for Global Peace and Conflict Studies and to do a variety of social, uh, social justice work. Larry, as we all know, was a very, very idealistic man who was a, uh, deeply into ecological and global concerns uh, and a, a fierce advocate for social justice. Uh, he was also a contemplative who did a number of long uh, meditation retreats, and he founded the local uh, campus meditation center, with, uh, which in, tradition, in his typical uh, mischievous humor, he named the John Wayne Dharma Center. Uh, so Larry has had an influence on our lives in many ways, as friend, as colleague, as, as co-worker, and as inspiration. And I just invite you for a moment uh, to just reflect for a moment on the quality or qualities that Larry embodied in his life, which most touched and inspired you. And also perhaps to reflect on how you might take those qualities out into the world, because that is what he would have wanted us to do, is to take any inspiration he gave us out into the world for its betterment. We have a number of remembrance people here who are going to offer their memories of Larry. Uh, you know, it's interesting, here at UCI we spend millions of dollars researching human life. We spend millions of dollars on physiology and biology and biochemistry and on, on studying the mind like topics like psychology and sociology. But when we want to remember a life, we turn to we, and take inspiration from it. We turn to stories. And so uh, what I'm going to ask now is for uh, several people to offer their brief remembrances of Larry and the uh, stories of him and the way he inspired their lives. Uh, we have family, family members, Dr. Nathan Howard and Byron Howard. We have uh, his close friend and uh, now the executor of his will, uh, Richard Martin. We have a neighbor, Michelle Willow. And we have colleagues, William Schoenfeld and C Cesar Cesares. 
So I'd like to uh, open it first to the family members to offer their reminiscences of Larry. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Nathan. I'm uh, one of Larry's nephews. And uh, I think uh, I think in deciding, how about that? I think in deciding uh, what I was going to say today, I, I, I remembered a few uh, stories about my uncle. And uh, the first one was back in the, um, the mid-80s, and I was talking to him on telephone, and uh, that particular night, one of my favorite bands of, at that time, Boingo Boingo, was playing at the Irvine Meadows Amphitheater. And I just happened to mention it and didn't think much of it. And he had called back about five minutes later and said, hey, we got tickets. We're going to this, this concert. And I was so excited. It would have been my first concert, my favorite band. And uh, unfortunately, my grandma was coming in that night, and I'd forgotten about that. And uh, I had to blow him off. And uh, I feel a little bad about that. Sorry, Larry. Um, but uh, he, did, he did take me to, uh, I remember seeing... Uh, when Born on the Fourth of July came out, seeing Oliver Stone here on campus with uh, the star of that movie, the real-life star, just remembering Larry's generosity and uh, the kind of the spontaneousness. Uh, the other thing I remember is when I was very young, uh, speaking to Larry's uh, feelings of social justice, I, I'd always wanted to be a doctor, and Larry had mentioned, well, yeah, I think doctors should live on a stipend, and, and that's, you know, that they should go through school and they should have a stipend, and, you know, it shouldn't be about money. And, and I, and, uh, you know, I, I, he got to see me graduate from medical school in 1999 in New York, which was a lot of fun uh, to have him there. And if he had lived a couple more years, he, he, I might have taken him up on the offer uh, <laughs> stipend to serve in the medical commission. But, uh, um, I think, uh, you know, most of all, uh, Larry was, uh, me and Byron's probably connection to the Howards. And uh, our father died when I was four and he, Byron was eight. And uh, Larry was our, kind of our, our connection and, and got us, was the intermediary between us and our grandparents, kind of taught us a lot of the family lore. And uh, every year uh, uh, we made our, our trip out to see him, and uh, when, when Helmy, his mother, was alive, we would we would have Hawaiian chicken uh, invariably. And if you ever had the pleasure of seeing Helmy, you know you know you've had that Hawaiian chicken before. But uh, uh, you know, I, just in closing, I'd like to say, you know, it's, he was a wonderful person, and uh, the world's definitely a little worse off with that. Thank you. bad we haven't mentioned also his sister Ellen is here as well and so I just wanted everybody to get a chance to know Ellen's here and, and all that and I really kind of enjoyed some of Nate's stories and they kind of are going to dovetail a little bit off of mine but I'll go into a couple of those but Roger said it really well one of the things that I always think about Larry is he never let the polio ever stop what he wanted to do 
it was something that was just a part of who he was. And that wasn't going to stop anything. Why did that have to be a limitation? I don't ever think he looked at things from a limits perspective, and I really admired that in him. Um, his intellectual curiosity spanned many different areas, as you've heard. And it was never a boring conversation with him. And that, you know, that part was always an awful lot of fun. So, exactly. Two things that I was going to talk about from a story's perspective, you kind of see in the photos, you see he's got a bit of a mirthful look on his face. There's nothing Larry loved more than a bit of a movie that was pretty darn humorous. And I just remember, similar to Nate, sometimes in the 80s, there's a movie that came out, some of you may have seen, called The Gods Must Be Crazy. And you would have thought that one of the greatest pieces of film work had ever been made, if you talked to Larry about it. And it is absolutely hysterical. And so if you ever get a chance, I would recommend it. Um, but it pointed to, you know, a lot of things to him. And the humor in just, you know, life itself, as well as just the way societies kind of form. And there was a very intellectual component to it. And I know that, you know, the intellectual aspects of things are very enjoyable to Larry. Um, the other one. Sorry. Didn't expect this. <laughs> so, um, well, some of you know now. Uh, I didn't think I'd be here. This sorry, guys. Um, some of you know by now. Larry actually passed on the same day as our dad. Now, 35 years later, but it's the same day. And so, sorry, I haven't told this one before. Uh, we were at yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on cue. Oh, sorry, guys. But I'll try to get this out. It meant a lot. Um, we were out at Dad's funeral, and we were sitting next to each other kind of a little bit like I am now. He was too. And we just kind of looked at each other. We just held each other's hands. And it kind of was one of those things where it's going to be all right. It's kind of how I feel today. I mean, I didn't expect it. It was a little early. But things are going to be all right. And I hope he's smiling down. I hope he's gotten the chance to Say hi to his parents, his brother, our father. And I hope he's smiling down and saying, you know what, I did make a difference. And where I am now, I'm truly happy where I am. And so, I didn't mean to <laughs> get too choppy on you here, but that was the thing that meant a lot to me. Growing up in a, that visual has never left. So I sure appreciate Black Larry. So I'm gonna come close on that since I'm having a hard time holding it, so. Thank you very much. Thank you, Byron. That's loud. <laughs> well, I'd like to start by thanking Jan 
Sarantino for arranging such a beautiful service out here to celebrate Larry and to thank all of you for coming. My name is Richard. And Larry was my good friend. He was a grad student working on his PhD when I met him. I think it was about 1980, and I was returning to school for a bachelor's degree, and we hit it off right away. No, no big surprise there. I was charmed by his self-deprecating sense of humor. I had admired his intellect and his passion for the truth, and I was endlessly entertained by his sense of mischief. I had the privilege of being his roommate on campus here for about five years or so, and we carried on many a loopy conversation in the kitchen of our apartment in Verano Place. Larry introduced me to theories of nuclear deterrence, inner tube water polo, Plato's notion of the good, and his own entire collection of scraggly looking cacti and euphorbia. <laughs> He was kind enough to indulge me in my interests, Buddhist meditation for one, and, and we attended some retreats together. For a couple of years, we hosted a weekly meditation group. And this was around the same time the Orange County Airport became John Wayne Airport, and as Roger already mentioned, Larry gleefully christened our apartment the John Wayne Dharma Center, <clears throat> drawing a cowboy in lotus position as its logo. <laughs> It was Larry's charisma as much as the Buddha's teachings that made us a group. He had a gift for bringing people together. Several years later, Larry served as a matchmaker to me and my wife, Cindy, inviting us to dinner at his apartment and then retiring on some pretext, leaving us alone together on the couch. Our son grew up calling him Uncle Larry, which, much to Larry's delight, always came out sounding more like Icky Wowie. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that it's been many years since I really held up my end of our friendship, but Larry kept in touch for both of us, occasionally coming by for a visit on a Sunday to recommend a movie, check up on his nephew, or to try to momentarily rouse Cindy and me from our middle-class preoccupations. More recently, he seemed to make peace with our utter failure as activists, and I think he forgave us. <laughs> My son is 16 now, has recently become, like his uncle, a movie buff. It's a source of comfort for me that Larry lived to discover their shared passion and that I had the chance to hear them just a few months ago enthusiastically debating the merits of their favorite films. I know Larry would have been pleased to see so many of the people he loved so well gathered together in his memory. And I can't help but think that even in death, he is still bringing us together. Thank you. Hi, I'm Michelle Wallet. I'm a, a friend of Larry's and a neighbor for many years. And so I, uh, I thought that this poem was very, uh, what resonated with me about uh, my relationship with him. It's called Messengers of the Most High. Each lifetime is the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. For some, there are more pieces. 
For others, the puzzle is more difficult to assemble. Some seem to be born with a nearly completed puzzle, and so it goes. Souls trying this, this way and that, trying to assemble the myriad parts. But know this, no one has within themselves all the pieces to their puzzle. Like before the days when they used to seal, seal jigsaw puzzles in cellophane, ensuring that all the pieces were there. Everyone carries with them at least one and probably many pieces to someone else's puzzle. Sometimes they know it and sometimes they don't. And when you present your pieces, which are worthless to you, to another, whether you know it or not, whether they know it or not, you are a messenger of the Most High. And I think, uh, I always thought that Larry had uh, this second sense for looking out for uh, when other people had pieces that might add to his life and, and certainly very open to offering pieces uh, that he had to other people. He was very gregarious and easy to talk to. He was uh, knowledgeable about so many subjects. He, you know, as uh, Roger and Richard said, that he had a strong spiritual side. And um, he just was a good friend and neighbor. And I think that um, he really made a lot of difference to a number of people as a, a strong model of of how you get engaged thoroughly in life and uh, you lead a life of significance. And uh, I'm gonna listen. Thank you. Um, my name is William Schoenfeld and I knew Larry predominantly because I served as dean of the School of Social Sciences from 1982 to 2002. So we're sort of transitioning from people who were part of his family, and I must say as I was listening to both of you speak, both in your facial expressions and in your voices, I saw Larry, and I was very moved by that. Um, I was also moved by the testimony of his uh, friends. Um, the School of Social Sciences was very fortunate to have Larry. Uh, for more than 25 years, he not only did a wonderful job of teaching both in the psychology and more broadly in areas concerned with global peace and conflict studies, but he served as a kind of warm human being whose spirit uh, all of us who knew him benefited from. Uh, in, in that respect, uh, I, I personally met Larry in a number of different places. A subset of them were on the university grounds, and I'll, I'll mention one example there. But the other subset was at the moving picture theater, where I would leave a film, and maybe Larry was leaving at the same time, and he would explain to me the meaning of the film which I had just seen. 
in a way that I had not grasped. Or alternatively, I would be arriving and he would be leaving and he would be giving me some tips as to what I should or should not see that sometime lasted long enough that I couldn't see anything. But at least I had provided some financial support to the Edwards family. In his university life, he was someone who demonstrated in every possible way the extent to which he cared about other human beings, both through his teaching and through his interaction with all of us. His interest in psychology was driven by his concern that individuals suffer, and he wanted to reduce that suffering. And his individual in in GPACs and in general issues of international conflict was driven by precisely the same emotion. Larry wanted to make the world a better place. And he tried in many ways to do that. One of my own favorite personal anecdotes about Larry is when we were moving to the Social Science Plaza building. And as part of that move, we were lugging over heavy boxes of books, materials that we had not yet read and probably would not read for the rest of our lives, but which we nonetheless treasured and felt was important to move to the new building. And I was struggling with this effort. Larry came along and said, hey, Willie, can I help you? Can you give me a box or two to carry? Larry always wanted to carry a box or two of the problems that anyone else had. We're all going to miss that, but I am, I must say, I feel a lot better knowing that Larry lives on in a small way in his family members through the way they speak and the way they look. We're all going to miss him, and we all benefited from him. Caesar Saraceros, I'm also from the School of Social Sciences. Um, one of the greatest dangers in the world, other than those that Larry Howard uh, identified, is to put an academic, which I am, in front of a microphone. Because he can go on, or she can go on forever. I have my notes, I'll try to be short as I can, okay? Uh, this is about Larry, it's not about anybody else. And what I remember best and most about Larry Howard was his patience. I'm in a wheelchair because a year ago I could run, I could walk, but today I'm in a wheelchair and I don't know for how long. But one thing that I did learn from Larry directly as well as indirectly was patience. Patience about accomplishing what you thought you got up, you were meant to be, patience in terms of recouping, patience in terms of doing what was necessary. And Larry was very good. I knew Larry for over 30 years as a student and as a teacher. If I had to identify certain characteristics of Larry, I'd have to say the following. First, he was a pioneer. Along with somebody else by the name of Julie Margolis, an economist, whose memorial comes after this one, by coincidence, They both died in the year 2012. I knew them since the 1980s as a member of the School of Social Sciences. And what I can say about Larry Howard is 
he was a pioneer. Others have talked about his role in GPAX, but he was able to, along with uh, uh, Julie, talk about the role of nuclear weapons and nuclear energy and its danger to American society long before it was right and proper for American universities to do so. So that's why they call it, considered him a pioneer. Secondly, he was a model. To this very day, I can't speak for anybody, but to me, he never talked about being in a wheelchair. He never talked about being handicapped. He never talked about anything other than doing it at, at his time with his, own, with his own values, which many of you have already expressed, and I will not go into. But he himself never talked about his problems, never talked about his handicaps, and never talked about anything other than getting the job done. He's a model that all of us can follow, both for patients and in terms of handicaps and in terms of not believing that somehow we were born without certain capabilities. He never thought of that. And that is why I learned from Larry Howard. Further, Larry was a, as I said before, a model citizen, a pioneer, and he spoke of things that were before his time, before the university's time. He, as long as well as everybody else who knew Larry, grew up with ECI. And think of this, he was a student in the 1980s. He passed away, unfortunately, in the year 2012. How did he grow? How did UCI grow? Both are left with well, open questions. And I say, both this campus and the school is better off because Larry existed, because Larry made a difference. I would say one thing about Larry, and I'll read a poem, I'm not as eloquent, as Michelle just recently wrote a book, oh, uh, read, I didn't write read a poem. <laughs> but uh, I'll try to read because it's a poem that reminds me a lot about Larry. It's from Mark Twain. And he talks about safe harbors. And Larry, despite what I said before, people remember Larry and his old, uh, I believe he drove uh, an old hatchback along with the wheelchair, etc. And he wandered in and out of the School of Social Sciences. He taught his classes, he did it like, but he never changed. The school changed, but Larry Howard never changed. But let me read for you very quickly a, song, a poem from Mark Twain, who I think mimics uh, uh, Larry Howard. Uh, 20 years from now, you will be uh, disappointed by the things that you didn't uh, do, then for those things that you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor. The trade winds are yours. And excel, dream, and discover. And for me, that is Larry Howard. As I said before, I knew him for 30 years. He made a difference to all of you. He made a difference to those he served and his values, as well as his blood is in many of you. And his values about what American society should, feel like, should look like is with you. We are better off having Larry Howard in American society 
and here on this campus. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, family, friends, neighbors, colleagues. Uh, we have time for if there are a couple of people who would like to say something. And please, here's an opportunity. Okay. I'm in social sciences. I actually um, knew Larry uh, from 1968. He and I were part of a philosophical group uh, in Costa Mesa. And actually, the house he lived in then is still there. All the other homes around have been torn down and big apartments have been built, but Larry's house is still there. Um, so we were, we were part of the group that was studying philosophy and studying Plato till 3, 4 in the morning, several times a week. And we would do meditation and study Buddhism. So I knew Larry in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s then when he came here. And uh, for, for me, Larry was a soul. He was filled with ideas. He had a, a, you know, an understanding of the bright shining pattern in the soul of, of a good man, a good person. And so when I encountered him at UCI, it was always uh, a refreshing chance to touch base with somebody who, who to me was a soul. And I was able to say, hmm, how's it going? How's it going? And so for me, Larry is just somewhere else now getting involved in something else, and I'm sure I'll encounter him once again at some point, and I'll say, hmm, how's it going? <laughs> so he was, um, he was uh, an explorer, and he, I think, was always comparing, you know, the people he would encounter with the bright, shining pattern that he had seen of the good, and was always trying to help people to see that like he had seen it. So I'm glad we can all be here together and appreciate the, the gathering that was um, coordinated today. Thank you. Would anyone else like to say anything? My name is Jane Margolis, and I'm the daughter of Jules Margolis, um, who was in social sciences, and I, I'm, I'm speaking to the, the family. Um, Larry was part of my dad's life for many, many years, but he really stepped into my family's life the last two months before he died. And my dad was in the hospital for two months, and Larry Howard was there every day. All of us, I don't know what more to say. He, when someone said he wanted to carry a load and carry a box, he just carried a box. And he, he just, I think there was many uh, connections here. My brother also had polio. So we're a family that went through polio. And my dad was a father of someone who had polio. My dad lived to 90. 
I mean, as you were talking and I was discovering more about Larry, I was just seeing how a lot was happening in those last two months. Um, but what was really, what we were witnessing was a human being that just gave and didn't let anyone stop him. And from the just bottom of his soul, he just kept giving, like a giving tree. And I just wanna tell you that he stepped, I don't know you, but I feel like we shared that last period of our lives and of Larry's lives too, because Larry died a week later. Um, there was just this incredible love and happening and I do want to second everything was said and I think Larry is somewhere and he's giving and he's loving and he and people are loving him back and um, you had a wonderful 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 person in your family I'm Dan Zhang. Uh, I'm a librarian here, and I've known Larry since 1986, um, when uh, he was uh, had just uh, done his PhD. Uh, and he was here earlier, as has been mentioned. But one of my colleagues, uh, uh, Edward uh, Eddie Yagayan, remembers being a TA in a philosophy class that he took. And uh, the professor, unfortunately, he's not no longer here, uh, was not very sympathetic to. Uh, to Larry. And so the TAs were very empathetic and empathized with uh, Larry being in a wheelchair at the time. Uh, this was before we had this disability center, I'm sure, uh, in 1970s. Uh, and Eddie also re and I were at a movie at the Rigo Theater and remember Larry intercepting us as we were leaving. And uh, Eddie remembers him explaining. I was trying to get them with the car, and <laughs> and Larry uh, explained the idea behind the artist, and she told Eddie, who was a philosophy bibliographer here, uh, what it meant and the scenes he he didn't see. Uh, but I remember Eddie. Uh, I remember Larry uh, because I also worked on a book with him, the first book that GPAX published, uh, which is this book called Terrorism. It's based on a uh, conference that GPAX sponsored here at, uh, in 1980s, uh, uh, late 80s. In 1992, this book came out from Prager, and he asked me to index the volume. Uh, today, probably with uh, Google, there, nobody indexes books anymore. But, <laughs> so uh, he actually massacred my name in the uh, preface. Uh, I, I, I think he did apologize for it. But, uh, <laughs> but in the book, he just, uh, I would just quote in the introduction one thing he says about terrorism. The fact that the public is so gripped by terrorism actually may serve to reinforce it. If one of its purposes is to rivet the public's attention, terrorism may be said to be actually working, in quotes. The question of whether we as a people should give terrorism this sort of legitimacy is one I hope the reader will keep in mind while reading these chapters. So this was a book where he, he, he which he compiled, bringing together the leading uh, theorists of uh, terrorism at the time, even in the late 80s. Um, I most recently, before actually, before the Rigo uh, experience uh, with him most recently, I saw him uh, outside Trader Joe's 
uh, getting into his uh, hatchback. And he was worried at the time, uh, this was actually a few years before that, he was worried because of the cutbacks that he would be laid off and lose his home in, in, on campus. And so we thought of different strategies. And I'm so glad that he was able to retire with honor. Uh, thank you very much. We've had a lot to reflect on, and uh, I want to, I'd like to thank everyone who spoke and just allow, uh, allow us to take a moment of silence to, to reflect on, on uh, these various offerings we've had, remembering Larry. And just take, uh, ask, ask now if we could take a moment of silence to uh, recall Larry's gifts and ideals and inspirations. And, uh, yeah. Okay, well, we are meant to finish shortly, but if you'd like to, okay. All right, fine. Thank you. I've known Larry since 1982. I know the peace and justice activist side of Larry. We shared many corners here in Orange County, holding signs opposing nuclear weapons, opposing the arms race, and if all of you remember the 80s, it was a time when we were concerned on a daily basis about nuclear war. In 1986, I had the honor and the privilege of being arrested with Larry Howard as we blocked <laughs> as we blocked buses that were taking war planner delegates to El Toro from South Coast Weston Hotel. It's an intense experience. I have not ever and never want to experience war, but you have, I believe, that feeling of camaraderie when you go through that kind of experience with somebody. He was a person that truly lived his ideals, and I know that the earth is all it, the earth is better, we are enriched, and I'm blessed to have known Larry Howard. Thank you. Yeah, that was one of Larry's stronger sides. He was willing to. <laughs> there are a lot of, lot of stories of Larry uh, putting himself on the line in that way. So thank you very much. Um, with all these, this uh, feast of recollections and memories and uh, stories of Larry's contribution, uh, perhaps now we could just take a moment of silence together to recall his life, his gifts, his inspirations the way he touched us, and perhaps also how we might bring some of his ideals and inspirations to the world. Thank you. Well, we come now to a uh, closing ritual, 
And uh, death is the great mystery of life. And uh, given Larry, and we all uh, send Larry our best wishes without knowing where he is or what state he's in. But I think Larry, with his wicked sense of humor, would appreciate the analogy of the story of the two fetuses, uh, twin fetuses, debating whether there was life after birth. And they finally decided it was an unsolvable problem because no one ever came back to, back to give any information. <laughs> well, we don't know where Larry is, but we do wish him well, and we want to uh, now do a ritual to symbolically re release him. And I had, in my foolishness, suggested we might release a helium balloon and that idea was very quickly shot down by the disability service staff who said Larry would have been mortified at the idea of an unbiodegradable piece of plastic being sent, or mile of being sent up into the atmosphere. So they came up with a much better idea of releasing some, a couple of doves. Doves do apparently, they know how to find their way home. <laughs> so, thank you very much for that. That's a beautiful idea. And there they go. So, goodbye, Doves. Farewell, Larry. Thank you for your impact on your life. And thank you also to Jan Sarantino and the Disability Service Center people who uh, created this beautiful opportunity for us to gather and remember Larry. Thank you all very much for coming. Thank you for sharing the wonderful stories and reminiscences you have. And we now have an opportunity to gather over there for uh, uh, refreshments and some time to be together. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Roger.